You know, guys, we just started last week this series called Rise Up, Faith Lessons from Nehemiah. And I think this is a crucial, critical study for, for our church, for us as a body of believers, but also for each of us individually. In fact, you know, a lot of us in the leadership have been viewing it that way and praying for this series for God to speak through us. And I'm hoping that God speaks to me even through these messages. Because here's the reality. If you look at Christianity today, if you look at where we are in our Christian lives, it's really not where it should be. We, We have broken walls. You know, what do you mean by broken walls, George? Well, when we looked at last week at Jerusalem, the broken walls to the city meant the wholeness of the city. It, it meant the well-being of the city. And because the walls were broken, they were vulnerable and they were in shame. And the fact of the matter is, is that just like the walls of that city, you and I have walls in our lives. We have walls in our, in our families, in our marriages. We have walls even in this church, symbolically. And they get broken down. A lot of times they get broken down because of what we've done. In Jerusalem's case, they were broken down because God was punishing them for their sin. Because they were not seeking after God. So God dealt with them, took them away 70 years to captivity. And here we are, 80 years after that event, and the walls are still broken down. But what happens is they, you learn to live with the shame and the vulnerability. You learn to be indifferent to it because you don't expect anything anymore. And, and to be honest with you, we've gotten to the place where we don't expect God to do anything about anything anymore, but we're here to praise him, and we're surprised when he does do something. And the fact of the matter is he wants to. And so that's what we're here. We're, we're here studying this series because we want to learn the lessons from Nehemiah so that we can apply to our own lives, so that we can trust God with the broken walls in our lives. And I don't need to... See, I don't even know what the broken walls are in your life. You do, though. Unless you told me, and most of you don't, and that's okay, I don't really need to know them. You've got broken walls in your life. We've got broken walls in our church here. You know what I'm saying? And... You know, we can be indifferent to them. But the reality is, is that we need to trust God to do something. So last week, we we saw that he got the report, and he was moved emotionally, and he prayed. This week, we're going to come to chapter 2, and I'll be honest with you, it's four months later. It's not just one chapter. One chapter to us is like a split second. What's written there happens four months later. And we're going to see that God responds. Now, this is the amazing thing. He responds like we do when God responds. He's surprised. He's shocked. Because you know what? you ever done that? You've prayed, 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 prayed. And then when God does answer, you're like blown away. Like, wow, he answered. We, We don't expect God to answer. And that's what we're going to talk about is when God responds. And we're going to see some faith principles today. Four faith principles that we can be praying about during the week. Okay? So hopefully you've got your your bulletin that you can start filling out on the back as we talk about these things. So let's let's look at the passage first of all. We're going to look at verses 1 to 10. 
And then we're going to go through them and see some different things. So first of all, Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to him. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face sad since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid. And said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Then the king said to me, What do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. Underline that phrase if you want to. I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the king, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, how long will your journey be? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Further, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let Let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river, that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple, for of the city wall, and of for the house which I occupy. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. All right, I want you to underline that phrase too. According to the good hand of my God upon me. So then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. Then Sanballat and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of it, and they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. All right, now we're going to take these 10 verses, and I'm going to kind of divide it into four sections, and we're going to get four principles. So let's take a look at what's going on here. So this is four months later. Now remember, Nehemiah is the king's cupbearer. What does that mean? He's the food tester. So it's time to set wine before the king. So he brings the king his wine that he has tasted himself to make sure, what, that the king's wine is okay, that he's not going to be poisoned. So let's take a look here. First of all, we're going to see the issue of waiting. Waiting. Look with me at verse 1. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, and I took wine and gave it to the king. Now I had been very sad in his presence. Now why is he sad? Because he's bothered by the broken walls. That's why he's sad. So here's what I want you to see. As he waited on God, Nehemiah carried the burden for four months. He didn't get over it. 
He carried the burden of what was going on in Jerusalem for four months. That's really being bothered by something, isn't it? We would tell people, what we do is when we see people going through something, we would tell them to snap out of it. You can't do anything about it anyhow. Remember, he can't do anything. He's just a food tester. Yeah, he's a trusted official to the king, but he doesn't have any power. But yet he's just in despair about the shame and vulnerability of his, of his brethren back in Jerusalem, and he's what? He's very concerned. And he's carrying that burden for four months. So there he is in the presence of the king. It's time to give the king his wine. He sets the cup before him. And the passage makes a clear point there. I've never been sad in the presence of the king before. Now, that's a significant statement because I'm going to tell you something about the Persian kings. The Persian kings did not allow people to show emotion, negative emotion in front of them. You weren't allowed to be sad in the presence of the king. Everything always had to be, are you ready for this, upbeat. He didn't want sad, depressed people. In fact, if you showed sadness in the presence of the king, you were to be, are you ready for this, killed. Because he wanted a positive atmosphere. Talk about the power of positive thinking, right? I mean, this is like radical. The king's like, you can't be... Be sad in my presence. So here's the here's this trusted official. He's in front of the king, and he's sad. He said, I've never been sad before in his presence, so he's taking a risk here. Why? Because he's carrying this burden. It shakes him to the core. Now, here's the faith principle. Here's what I want you to grasp. Faith principle number one from this passage. You must be willing to carry the burden until God answers. You must be willing to carry the burden until God answers. Can I be honest with you? For most of us, the reason why we don't is because we just give up too easily. I'm not going to be able to change that. Nothing's going to change there. He's not going to change. She's not going to change. That situation's not going to change. Why lose sleep over it? Isn't that what we say? Isn't that what we tell people? Don't lose sleep over that. Just adjust. And that's what we do, don't we? We we adjust to the burdens. We've learned to live with them. We've become indifferent to it. We've grown, what's the word, numb? We've grown numb to it. How many of you are numb to situations in your life now because you've just given up hope, right? You've given up hope. You know, I witness that all the time. I mean, you know, as a pastor interacting in people's lives, when they have, when they have a young person or a loved one, a, a child, and they go off into addiction issues or whatever, and they become desperate. They've tried, they've tried, they've tried. They've loved, they've loved, they've loved. And it never gets any better. never gets any better. And so finally, they're kind of like, I'm done. I'm numb. I'm cold. I'm over this. Isn't that the statements we make? I'm over this. See, this is, the, this is what we do. But Nehemiah didn't do that. Nehemiah didn't write it off 
and say, you know what, that's, that's Jerusalem. I'm here in Sushan. I've, been, I've got a cozy job. I mean, I'm, I'm the king's man to drink. I mean, think about it. I'm tasting some really good food for him. You know what I'm saying? And, ah, you know, so my cousins back in Jerusalem ain't got it well, but boy, am I glad I'm here. I can just adjust. He doesn't do that. He's like brokenhearted for what's going on several hundred miles away. He's brokenhearted. He's been carrying this burden for four months. Here, can I tell you something? That's part of our problem is that we, for some reason, think that everything's got to be solved overnight. Have you learned yet that they don't get solved overnight? Nothing gets solved overnight, right? And are you willing to carry the burden until God answers? See, that's what faith does. Faith is willing to carry the burden for a person, willing to carry a burden for a situation, willing to carry the burden, like even for our church. Are you willing to carry the burden for whatever long... It, however long it takes to see God answer? I mean, we used to communicate those kind of things in church. I mean, what I'm telling you, can I, can I be honest with you, is not something new. It's an old principle that's been around a long time. What do you mean? Well, we used to say statements like this in church. You'll hear the old-timers, if you ever get with an old-timer, old-time preacher, or, 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 or maybe you heard your grandma say these things, they'll say things like, praying things through. Have you prayed it through? Have any of you ever heard that statement? Have you prayed it through? Yeah. We don't use those statements anymore because we don't, ex- we don't what does that mean? It means you're going to pray about it and carry it to the Lord until he does something, no matter how long it takes. And so you heard, you heard stories of people praying for years for God to do something, but they waited. They waited for God to do it. Wait for years? Are you kidding me, George? Why would we do that? Because we need to. Because stuff doesn't get solved overnight. And to be honest with you, your expectations from the culture of the instant thing doesn't work anymore with spiritual things. Have you noticed? It's one thing to go on Amazon and buy something and then track it and get upset if it doesn't show up at the hour it's supposed to show up. But you can't do that with God. First of all, he doesn't send you tracking notices. Oh, by the way, I'm answering your prayer. It'll be answered in two days. God doesn't do that. He wants you to carry the burden of what's going on in your life until he answers. That's what Nehemiah's doing. Four months, folks, he's been mulling over this. All right, so let me just stop for a moment. We have broken walls. I'm not saying you have broken walls. I'm saying all of us here. We have broken walls, right? But somewhere, we decided we're done with it. Somewhere, we decided we're, we're over that. We're not going to spend more time with that because that's just negative. And I'm telling you right now, 
that if we want to see the broken walls healed by God, whatever they may be in your life and whatever they may be in my life and whatever they may be in this church, if we want to see God heal the broken walls, then we need to pick the burden back up. We need to allow ourselves to once again be emotionally moved by them, quit saying that we're done with it, and once again pick the burden back up and go talk to him about it every day, sometimes several times a day, until we hear him, until we understand what it means to pray things through. Do you understand what I'm saying? God's not McDonald's where he can answer your drive through order in 30 minutes. He's not that. He operates according to his timetable, and he will respond. The question is, is, are you willing to carry him through your problem to him until he answers? That's the first principle here. Here, I want you to notice the second thing. Look with me at verses 2 through 4. Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face sad since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid. All right, stop for a moment. Why is he dreadfully afraid? Remember, I told you the law in Persia was you're not supposed to be sad in front of the king. So all of a sudden, he's called on the carpet here. Hey, what's wrong with you? You're not looking good. You're sad. And he became dreadfully afraid. In fact, the king recognizes this. This isn't just a bad hair day. This is sorrow of heart. This is something that's weighing on him. Let's go on, verse 3. And I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Then the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. Here's what I want you to see. This is the initiative. This is someone taking the initiative concerning the burden. Someone taking initiative concerning the burden. Nehemiah was caught by surprise when the king inquired about his condition. Talk about the shock. Talk about the shock here. Because remember now, if you want to understand where, ne- where Nehemiah is at, guess what he's been praying. Remember, this is what he's been praying. He prayed this four months ago. If you want to, look at verse 11 of chapter 1. He says, O oh Lord, please... I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant, to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name, and let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. He was asking God to move the heart of the king concerning this issue. So here's what happens. Here he is. I don't know. It must have been a really bad day. He's really burdened about the situation. He goes and serves the king. The king sees that something's wrong. He's afraid now. And the king says, what do you need? And he's blown away. He's caught by surprise because God moved the heart of the king to ask about the burden. God took the initiative to do something about it. That's what's going on here. What's the faith principle? Here's faith principle number two. This is the one you and I have to learn. 
You must wait on God's initiative to answer your burden. Now that one's hard. Why? Because we all want to fix our walls ourselves. It's one thing to pray, right? We'll pray about an issue. God, I need you to help me with this problem. And, th- and that's the Christian thing to do is, God, here's my problem. I need you to help me with this. So we've done the Christian thing now. We've asked God to help it. Okay, I'm done with the prayer. Now what do I do? I need to figure out how to solve it. So we tried then to solve the problem ourselves, right? How do we do with that? Not well. <laughs> it's almost better if we didn't do anything, right? If we had just, because sometimes we make the situation far worse than what it was if we hadn't have done anything. But you say, we got to do something. We've got this problem to fix. Here's what I want you to understand. The issue is waiting on God with the burden and waiting for him to take the initiative so that you're blown away by how he works it out. I'm going to tell you something, folks. You know, when you're pastoring a church, April 1st, April Fool's Day, and people thought I was a fool when I started here 17 years ago. It'll be 17 years, April the 1st, that I started here. I'm going to be honest with you. There have been many times where I've gone to the Lord with a situation and said, Lord, you've got to take care of this. You've got to deal with this situation. You've got to deal with this. And I'll be honest with you, as I lifted to him those burdens, as I waited on him, I was blown away by how he answered. And I'll be honest with you, it was far better the outcome when he dealt with it rather than me doing something about it. Because the times where I did something about it only created problems. Do you understand? You've got to wait on God's initiative. And let me just say, this is four months later. It's not like he was expecting God to answer next week. He's not sure when God's going to answer. He just knows that God's going to answer. And when he did, he's blown away. Don't we want to be blown away? Don't we want to be blown away by God concerning the broken walls in our lives and our church and everything? Don't we want to be blown away? Don't we want to say, Lord, (laughs) I did not expect that, Lord. I did not expect you to answer that prayer, Lord. Forgive me for my lack of faith. Isn't that a great prayer to pray? God, you did that. You took care of that situation. I would have just made a mess of that. That's the faith lesson here. That's the faith lesson. Lord, you are so good to us. And let me just stop for a moment. I need you to grasp this reality. He is good to us. He's not waiting to squash you. He's not waiting. He paid the price for your sin. Do you understand? The penalty for your sin has been paid for by Jesus. He wants to bless your life. He wants to work in your life. Yes, he disciplines us. Yes, I understand that. But it's always as correction. He wants what's best for you. And he's brokenhearted over those broken walls in your life too. And he wants to heal them. You just need to trust him and let him take the initiative. That's faith lesson number two. So I want you to notice what happens. The king's like, yeah, what do you want me to do? I mean, think about it. I mean, this is what's radical about it. See, this is God answering. Why are you making such a big deal out of this, George? Well, remember, the reason why the walls are still broken in Jerusalem 
is because this very king made a law saying they can't be rebuilt. Think about that for a moment. The dude who made a decree saying no walls can be rebuilt in Jerusalem is the one who's asking Nehemiah now, what do you want me to do? How do you get there? God brings you there. That's radical, isn't it? That's radical. God, You've got to wait on God to respond, to take the initiative to respond. Here's the thing. I, I read this. This was an author. Alan Redpath wrote this. He said, when God sees that we're willing to carry the burden, he acts and opens the door. Let me say that again. You may want to write that down. I thought that was a powerful thing. When God sees that we are willing to carry the burden, he acts and opens the door. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you're willing to carry the burden of that broken wall in your life, when you come to that place of saying, yes, Lord, I'll carry this until I see you answering prayer, then he acts and opens the door. Do you understand? That's the reality here. Well, let's go on. We're going to see the request now. Nehemiah just gets real specific with him. Once he senses that the king wants to do something, the king's like, so what do you want me to do? Look at verse 5 through 8. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king and your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you would send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to him, with the king also sitting beside him, how long will your journey be? Now, isn't that a great answer? King, can you send me back to the city of my father's Judah and let me rebuild the walls of Jerusalem? King, now you know the answer, what the answer well, how long are you going to be away? I mean, obviously he's saying yes, isn't he? Like, how long am I going to not see you testing my food? How long are you going to be away? So then that just gives Nehemiah boldness. Now, look at what he does. Look at what he does. So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me to the governors of the region beyond the river that they may permit me to pass through till I come to Judah and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's force, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple, for the city wall, and for the house that I will occupy. And the king granted them to me. Look at this. This is a powerful statement. This is why I had you underline it. Underline it. According to the good hand of my God upon me. Now here's what's going on. Nehemiah made specific requests concerning his burden. He made specific requests. He didn't just go say to the king, okay, well, wonderful, thank you. Hey, can you send me to rebuild the walls? No, he just doesn't do that. Here's what he says, king, let me go rebuild the walls, and in the meantime, can you give me letters to make sure I travel safely? Can you give me the materials that I need to make sure I build the walls? I mean, this is bold, isn't it? Can you make sure the dude who has the forest can let me cut the trees to, to rebuild everything that needs to be rebuilt? 
This is getting specific about it. Why? Why is he getting this specific? Because he's carried the burden for four months. He's thought it through. There's a reason why you go to bed thinking about it. We look at that as something terrible, don't we? Man, I haven't slept. I keep thinking about this situation. I keep thinking about this situation. There's a reason why. So that you can talk to God about what you're processing. It's called processing, folks. Sometimes God wakes you up in the middle of the night so that you can talk to him. You ever been woke up in the middle of the night about something? It's always 2 o'clock for some reason. Have you noticed that? And you're just trying to go back to bed and you can't. Well, there's a reason why you can't, because God wants you to talk to him about that burden, about that broken wall. Nehemiah made specific requests concerning the burden. Burden. So notice now, here's faith principle number three. Faith makes specific requests about what must happen. All right. I want you to hear me. We know what the broken walls are, right? We already told you that, right? And you've thought it through. You've prayed about it. You've considered it. You've looked at the situations, whatever they may be. And you've, in your mind, you're saying, well, you know, if this happens, then this will be good. If this happens, then that'll be good. And, and Lord, if you could deal with this situation. And, and you've thought this through. Can I be honest with you? You've molded over in your mind. And that's good. Now, here's the problem, though. When you pray about it, here's what you pray. Oh, God, can you take care of my broken wall? Well, there, I'm, I'm at least talking to him about it. Yeah, I know you're not. You want to know what talking to him about it is? This is what talking to God about your broken wall is. God, I need timber. I need mortar. I need stone. I need strong backs to rebuild this wall. I need good weather. I need you to keep the enemies from attacking while we're rebuilding the wall. You think that's specific? You get specific with God. God, I need you to do this with my broken wall. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's praying. Did you understand what I'm saying? That's getting specific with God. Faith gets specific with God about the needs. Because otherwise, we're kind of like parents. You know, so God's almost like a parent, and I'm like a little child. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. And, and you just kind of like, what? What? Did I hear a noise? We just had something to drink. You just went to the bathroom two miles ago. You're not saying anything specific. I hurt. Where do you hurt? I hurt. That's how we are with God in prayer, isn't it? God's like the doctor. Where do you hurt? What is the scale, one to five, of your pain? It's 25, okay? You know, do you know what I'm saying? You get specific with God. Faith gets specific with God. Why? Because you believe he's the one who's going to answer it. 
So let's stop for a moment. Let's just kind of go back through it in our mind. You got these broken walls. You got broken walls in your life, in your marriages, in your families. We got broken walls in our church. You got you to gotta pick up the burden again. You got to allow your heart to be burdened and you got to start waiting. And this is what you got to do while you're waiting. You start asking him specific things about your wall. Do you understand me? You start asking him specific things because you know he's going to answer and you got to be ready when he answers because he does want to know. And look, and you can get a bit specific. God, this is really bothering me. I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to handle this. Can you help me carry the burden till you answer? He'll help you carry the burden till you answer. But there's one more principle. There's one more faith principle I want you to see. And this is where reality comes in. And so I want you to notice with me verse 9 and 10. It seems almost like an addition to the story here, but there's a faith principle here that you need to understand. Because you've got to recognize it, because if you don't recognize it, this will blow you away and you'll quit carrying the burden before the Lord. Look at what it says. Then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. All right, stop for a moment. So the king didn't just send Nehemiah, he sent an army with Nehemiah. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Nobody's going to be messing with you. I sent you my best troops. Horsemen, okay? Look at verse 10. Then Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite. Now these are Gentile leaders in the area around Jerusalem. Because remember, the Babylonians, when they would invade an area, would take the people who were there back to Babylon, and then they would take other people and bring them there. So these are Gentiles who are kind of ruling in that area around Jerusalem. When Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of it, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. Here's what I want you to see, opposition. Nehemiah's efforts were not welcomed by everyone. You say, wait, what do you mean, George? Hold on, I think it's pretty cool that Nehemiah's got a burden for his people, that their walls, because remember now it's, it's the well-being of the city and they're vulnerable and, and, and they're in shame and they're in distress because they don't have a city wall and why would nobody want them to have protection? Why wouldn't, why wouldn't anybody want them to have an alarm system or a gun in the house to make sure that they're protected, right? But these folks weren't happy about that. These folks weren't happy about the Jews being protected now. Or somebody would come and seek their well-being. Now here's the faith principle that you need to grasp. Because here's the thing. You've got broken walls in your life, and I'm gathering from you that you want them to be healed and fixed, right? And you're talking to the Lord about them. I'm stirring you, hopefully, to begin talking to the Lord about the burden that you have. You have broken walls in your life, in your marriages, in your families, in our church, that you want God to do something about. Am I right? 
Now here's the fourth faith principle that you've got to understand. Faith understands that not everyone will be supportive. Faith understands that not everyone will be supportive. Think about it with me for a moment. This is throughout the Bible. Moses, the burning bush, God speaks to him through the burning bush. I'm sending you back to Egypt, and I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And they'll listen to you, Moses. You go do it. God, I'm not the one to do it. Nope, I'll be with you. So guess what? He goes. Goes before Pharaoh. Says to Pharaoh, let my people go. Guess what Pharaoh says? Are you kidding me? You guys must have too much time on your hands. I want you to make bricks now without straw. And the people of Israel, do you think they were appreciative of Moses? Look what you did to us, Moses. Are you kidding me? And guess what Moses does? Moses goes to God and says, God, I think I got you wrong here. Because not everybody's interested in doing what you think I should be doing. Isn't that what we do? Isn't that life? You've got broken walls in your situation. And I'm going to be honest with you. Not everybody's necessarily supportive about you fixing them. Maybe they've grown accustomed to the way things are right now. And they don't want things to get better because they're not, for some reason, wanting to see them get better. Whatever their reasons are. You need to recognize that. Whatever the situations in your life are, you're going to see that not everybody's supportive about that. That's going to be true even in a church. As we try to mend walls broken in our church, I'm not under the delusion that everybody's going to be like, yes, that's a wonderful thing, let's do it. I realize that sometimes there are people who are going to say, no, I like things the way they are. Are you kidding me? No, I like things the way they are. See, faith understands that. Faith realizes that as I'm praying for the broken wall, I know that not everybody's going to be happy when you do something about this, God. But I'm going to still keep trusting you. Because I want you to do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? I think we see that from life, right? See, here's the thing, folks. I want you to think about this with me. I'm going to ask you a question. Are you done living with your broken walls? Are you done? Well, you know, George, I, I just have to be honest with you. I tried before, and it messed up bigger, and I don't know that I want to try again. I'm asking you a question. Do you like living with the broken walls, or are you done with it? Because you know what they are. Are you done with it? Well, you know, I, I don't. You know, I don't like the way it is right now, George. And, and and and. But here's the thing: I tried before. I'm not asking you to try. Get the eye out of it. I'm not asking you to fix your broken wall. I'm asking you to carry it to God and wait on him to take the initiative to heal it.
Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm asking you to take it to God and say, God, here it is. I tried. I tried. Only you can do it. And I'm going to trust you. No matter what other people think, Lord, I'm going to trust you. No matter what happens, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to wait for you to bring the healing to my broken wall, to fix my broken wall. Do you understand? That's what we've got to do. So that's why I'm asking you, are you done? Because if you're done, you need to start carrying that to prayer and talk to God about it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Or can I ask you the question, are you just okay with the way things are? And I can be honest with you folks, we can tolerate a lot of stuff, can't we? But here's what I'm going to tell you. God will turn the heat up sometimes to make sure that you don't tolerate it because he wants something different for you. He wants something different for us. So it's time, isn't it? To take those burdens to the Lord. It's time to rise up. Now, I just want to remind you, in your bulletin, I've given you a prayer guide for this week. Let's pray right now.